It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. We are heading into the Memorial Day weekend. We have no budget from either chamber, loose schedule, and here we are. It's kind of crazy because everyone you talk to tells you something different about where the budget is. If you ask one person, they tell you, we don't have a number, but the Senate's going home at the beginning of July, no matter what. If you ask another person, they'll tell you, the Senate says that, they don't mean it. And then we heard from Senator Steinberg on a call that we were on that the Senate has their budget completely done. They're just waiting for that number to then send it over to the House. So we have heard conflicting things from a myriad of people about where the budget is. He also said something interesting, because last week we reported that we thought they were about a billion dollars apart. They are $750 million, according to Senator Steinberg. He also said that the Senate is just unwilling to go over that 3%. He mentioned Tabor principles, the Taxpayer Bill, Bill of, of Rights. Rights. So it's it's like a 25 percent <laughs> increase in spending, and then there's a formula you use with population growth. And so this is what they're basing their number on. There is an indication to me, though, that the Senate is serious about the budget because they had a pretty high profile press conference this week. They did. Senators Newton, Daniel, and Rabin had a press conference about the Senate's proposal for a tax cut this year. Yeah, so they are taking House Bill 334, and by the way, they are the finance chairs over on the Senate side, so they write your tax policy that goes into the budget. We reported about House Bill 334 a few weeks ago. It was the PPP bill that got Representative Julia Howard kind of in a hot mess with the House caucus. The House sends over this bipartisan bill, pretty much making your PPP loans uh, tax exempt from, from state taxes, does some other things. They send it over in a bipartisan bill over to the Senate, and the Senate announced They're just going to PCS it and really put in some major finance changes. It cuts the corporate tax, which would take our state corporate tax down to zero by 2028. And I saw that it would give a 21% tax cut to the average household of four. Definitely not as bipartisan. It's not bipartisan at all over on the Senate side notable there, right? It just seemed like Democratic senators, along with Governor Cooper, had something to say. Yeah. I mean, you can see the mailers now that say, didn't care about your family, but gave corporate interests a tax cut. Yeah. The other thing, uh, if you're a House budget writer, the Senate, I think this is the first kind of um, the Senate showing that they really want something, because these guys don't do a lot of press conferences, right? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that in that press conference, one of the reporters asked about when this would be on the floor. And Raven said, you know, it needs to go through finance appropriations and then the floor and then maybe the House will pass it that way. If not, I guess this will be something we have to negotiate in the budget. There were two other bills that really changed a lot this week. We were talking about that earlier today. 
Yeah, so this here comes um, all of our talk about PCSs. This is something we are talking about. The bill that was titled Increase Access to Sporting Venues is now the Senate's Unemployment Benefit Bill. And then there's a bill titled Modified Utility Vehicles. And this is a time-sensitive matter about the ferry to Ocracoke. And it appropriates a little under a million dollars, but... Representative Brennan Jones said on the floor that wasn't new money. They just have to give them the green light on using that funding for that purpose. Yeah, there's a contract that needs to be signed. They need permission, time sensitive. So so the bill got amended. In the past week or so, we have seen some stories about bills that did pass during crossover that maybe didn't get a lot of debate or discussion because of the plethora of bills that were passing during those couple of days. And one of those bills was something that we saw and it was House Bill 829. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about what happened with that? Sure. So it's crossover night. Uh, Seventy-some bills are flying through the House. And, and let's be clear, Speaker Moore was telling his members, move quickly. We, you know, the clock is ticking. So Representative Dean Arp, who is a Republican from Union County, a great guy, stands up and presents a bill. And he pretty much reads the bill title says maybe a couple words about it, and then he sits down. They call the vote, and it passes. Now, the bill title is Chapter 160D, Technical Correction, all right? You, you, you look at this bill title, and a lot of members on Crossover Night are basically reading the bill title, right? They're reading the bill title, and they're voting. In this bill was really a major policy change. It will, if enacted, prohibit cities like Wilmington, like Raleigh, from regulating short-term rentals, Airbnbs, VRBOs. And there have been a lot of regulations at the local level. Some have been pretty tough regulations. Some have been common sense. But the bill passes, and a lot of members, Republicans and Democratic alike, we, we even heard a member on the Travel and Tourism Board meeting this week say if he had known that the bill had done that, he would have voted no. So it's, it really is a lesson learned. Shows kind of the perils of crossover, but it also shows the wisdom in having a bicameral legislature. We're recording this on Wednesday. We were treated to democracy in action at the General Assembly this afternoon. I took a video, put it on Twitter. I think it was called Abolish Abortion Group that was at the General Assembly and they were singing and there were a couple of, I would say, sermons mm -hmm. almost that just happened in the 1300 court, which is the speaker's court of the General Assembly. A bunch of folks were there. Yeah, I'd say maybe a, a few dozen. Chief Martin Brock, who is just top of the line. So great. Good guy, great guy. He he kind of settles it down a little bit, but there was a rebuking of demons out of the General Assembly. There was a, a not a, sure they got him out, but not sure they got him out. There were there was a sermon. It got got the lobbyist attention. A few of us had our recorders out, but it really is just a reminder that the General Assembly is the people's house and protesters, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them, it is great to see people come down and express their opinions, even if it's a little weird. It's also nice this year just to see folks starting to come back in and more people at the General Assembly. 
So this week, we had the honor of sitting down with House Majority Leader John Bell. So I have a special place in my heart for John Bell. So I was excited to do this interview. And he's one of my favorite people at the General Assembly. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative John Bell, thanks for coming to the podcast. How many terms have you been in office? So this is my fifth term in the General Assembly. Before that, I had never served uh, political office before. Oh, really? Really. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your district. Uh, my district actually changed over the years. So when I first got elected, I represented portions of four counties in eastern North Carolina. My home county, which is Wayne, and I also represented parts of Green, parts of Lenore, and then parts of Craven. So if you're on, I call it the Highway 70 corridor district because I represented from Johnston, Wayne County line all the way into Newburn. So um, it was a pretty, pretty lengthy district. And then during the redistricting process, after we did the, you know, we were supposed to redistrict every 10 years, and it felt like we redistrict for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, my district then got condensed, and so the current district of House District 10 represents a large portion of Wayne County, all of Greene County, and then three precincts in the, in the Johnston County. So I've represented a good part of eastern North Carolina over, over the last, um, that has to be nine and 10 years. So you go from n- not serving in public office to taking on an incumbent Republican, who was the rules chairman at the time, what what made you want to get into politics? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny because if I were to have that conversation with somebody today, I would say, like, hey, you know, going, okay, it's not, it's not smart, but no, um, I was, uh, I always followed politics, I always liked politics. Uh, my first job out of college, I worked with the Boy Scouts, so I did that for five and a half years and was in Panama City Beach, Florida. Ended up moving back home and um, started a development office in a credit union and happened to be talking to my boss one day and we were just talking different things about politics and 24 hours later, she called me back into her office and said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. I said, yes, ma'am. And She said, you know, County Commissioner Efton Saker. I said, yeah. I said, hey, Mr. Saker, how you doing? And she goes, well, Efton's going to run for the house. And he wants you to run his campaign. And I said, well, I've never ran a campaign before. And Efton said, well, I never ran for the House before. And I was like, hmm, makes sense. And we'll figure it out together. <laughs> so, um, so you know, we were friends before. But but starting that, we, we developed a really good friendship that still lasts today. And so I, I ran Efton Sager's campaign in 08. And then in 2010, uh, Lewis Pate came up to me and said, hey, we're going to make another run at Senate. would love for you to take part in, in, in running my campaign there. And so I was the grassroots part of that campaign. And... My goal was at the end of that was, hey, look, I enjoy this. I can make a little money running some local races, be a little side gig, and I can play in politics and do my everyday job from there. And so um, just, it, was, it was just like in the movies. I got a phone call, and they're like, hey, they've been through redistricting, and there's an opportunity uh, for this new district, and uh, it's, it's got an incumbent. We're not really happy with the direction the incumbent's going. Um, would you run the campaign to unseat him? And I was like, well, sure. You know, I'm going to make a little money. I'm going to mm-hmm. go in there and do it. And so I went to a cabin in the woods outside of Snow Hill. 
kid you not. All right. And, and we sat around a table like we're sitting around here today. And it was about 10, 10 people sitting around a table. And we went through the strategies and what it would look like and how we're going to do it. And when we got to the end, they said, so we don't have a candidate. We need a candidate. <laughs> and I said, you are crazy. You know, I had just gotten married. Uh, you know, I, I went out and bought a new house. I mean, it just, this timing was horrible. And so, um, they said, well, just think about it. We'll circle back. And so thought about it, prayed about it, talked to my family about it. At the time, my family didn't tell me they thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, mom was like, you know, if you want to do it, son, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But in the back of her mind, she's like, this guy's nuts. So, mm-hmm. so uh, long story short, uh, I, I looked at it and I said, hey, if I run and lose, I get a chance to do something pretty incredible and, I, and I'll, I'll meet people all over Eastern North Carolina. If I run and win, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. And so I ran. And uh, we had a very heated primary. And uh, I think I got outspent three to four to one, running against a three-term incumbent who was co-chair of the House Rules Committee, which is something you, I mean, who does that? <laughs> Not advised. And um, I won on election night by 56 votes. And uh, uh, talked to the representative. He told me congratulations. They wasn't going to ask for a recount. and. Had a good night and then woke up at like six o'clock that morning and my phone rang off the hook because I, I now have a recount. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so went through a recount, residency challenge, everything you can go through. And end of the day, after the canvas, I won by 39 votes. And so I tell that story when I'm out traveling the state because I want people to know how important it is and how important your, your vote is. And people say, well, well, my vote doesn't matter. But no, no, it really does. Yeah. There's been races that um, and the difference has been one or two votes. And, and, my, and I mean, the difference of me sitting here today and not being here is 39 people decided they wanted to vote a different direction. So that's how I got involved in politics and came up here to Raleigh and still trying to figure out the building. Yeah. Ten, year, t- t- ten, ten years later, still getting lost in places, but yeah. uh, you know, it's, been a, it's been a wonderful experience. So could you tell us a little bit about being the majority leader, what that means, how it's different than the speaker, just the logistics of it first? So um, how, much, how long is your podcast? As long as you need. <laughs> Brian edits. <laughs> we, we can stretch this thing out. No, the, the majority leader role in the House and Senate are actually two different roles. In the majority leader role in the house is very hands-on mm-hmm. and i've taken that hands-on approach because currently we have 69 republicans in the house i have 120 members and it's my job to make sure that each one of them accomplish what they need to accomplish to be successful for their people back home mm-hmm. on top of that i still have to do my job for the folks back home so um so a lot of people say i'm the uh i'm the chief cat herder mm-hmm. uh, i would disagree with that the, the best way i've heard it is um Matter of fact, Speaker Rubaker told me it's like carrying a wheelbarrow full of frogs mm-hmm. from point A to point B. You got to keep everybody calm, everybody in the in the wheelbarrow, everybody together. Because if somebody freaks and jumps, another person's going. You got you, you got to keep everybody calm. And so it's my job to make sure that the caucus's agenda is delivered from point A to point B, and to make sure all the members are in the process uh, are successful back home. And so it, it varies day to day. What my what my job role today? Um, I've been. Um, I've been chief therapist, mm-hmm. so I've had members come in to have issues, and and so you know we talk about that, and I've got members that have um, situations back in our district that they need to figure out a pathway forward, and so we you know, figure out a way there, and then uh, and then I, I consult and advise members along the way, or we we want to talk politics and how you navigate this bill from point A to point B, and, and it's my job to make sure that the agenda is pushed at the end of the day, so. So I work in conjunction with the rules chairman and speaker. Those are the people that I deal with the most. Mm-hmm. And then um, I do not chair any committees in the House, but I serve on every committee in the House. 
um, th- that that can be fun and painful all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I do get to chair the one committee that no one gets to see unless you're a member of the caucus, which is actual caucus. Yeah. So I get to the chair the the knockdown, drag outs, the policy discussion, the the arguments within the party, mm-hmm. and hopefully at the end the end of the 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 caucus or the end of that agenda item, we walk out united. And that's what we try to do. So you told me a couple years ago, you have this responsibility not only to help members be successful, but you want to keep your majority, you want to expand your majority. So you have a very diverse caucus. It runs the gamut politically, right? Give us a little insight into how you help all of your members try to be successful, but also keep keep the team in a winning position, meaning you hold the majority. So, so I try to use humor sometimes because okay. I, tell, I tell our caucus, I said, <laughs> you know, you got to be a little messed up to run for office anyway. So all y'all are crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's me included. So, um, so, so no, you know, one of the things we try to do is, is in order for the members to be reelected is that they have to be successful up here. They have to be influential. So you, so you try to make sure that they get their agenda items met, issues back home, you want that taken care of. So you've got, you've got the, 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 the policy side of governing. Then you've got the, the political side of how we grow that majority. And, and each, each district is different. Um, what is important in my district may not be important to, let's say, Aaron Perret right here in White County. And what's important to Aaron Parade may be completely different than what's different what's important to Mike Clampett out in out in the mountains. Right. So you've got to really understand how an issue it could be a good issue in the mountains, but it could be very detrimental to eastern North Carolina right. and, and vice versa. So you've got to actually understand that first of all. Then you've got to be able to relate that to the caucus. And so that way we don't try to to hurt hurt one another in, in the different political fractions and so forth in the house. Well, one thing you do, I, I don't think the media picks up on it. We certainly see it every day, and that is you interact also with the minority leader, Robert Reeves, who you seem to have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. So how, how does that relationship work? And we're going to have him on a future podcast yeah. as well, but can you give us a little peek behind that curtain as well? Yeah, so, so you know, we have different, we're from different places. Mm-hmm. We're from different political views. It doesn't mean we can't be friends. Right. And uh, I had the same relationship with, with, with Representative Darren Jackson at the time. Now, now Justice, um, right. <laughs> I guess Appeal Court Judge um, Jackson. And, and so you've got to be able to talk. And, and I, I believe in talking. And it's important for me to understand the, the issues that are going to Robert's caucus. He understands the issues going to my caucus. So you have to have that conversation. And then we try to compare notes and say, okay, look, you know, I'm going to have caucus at this time. We're not having committees, which we try to structure, mm-hmm. have a schedule so that way, you know, when he's trying to have his caucus, um, we're not running committee meetings and vice versa. So, so, so we do talk. Also, um, we try to get an idea of what's going to happen on floor debate. And if we have an issue that, that's coming up, I like to be very disciplined and structured in, in our debates when we go in, especially now since everything's on video, so you can actually see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, because I want our members when they're talking about to be able to know what they're doing, to be clear, to be able to be um, very precise on the points they need to hit. And and Robert wants the same thing for his members. So we have those discussions about, you know, uh, who, who's going to talk, who's going to do what, what are we thinking? And I'll tell him, hey, we may have three or four people on our side going to talk. He said we may have two or three. 
and uh and, and so so we actually keep in communication a lot okay uh, then on top of that we're, we're, we're friends mm-hmm. um, it's nothing for me to be traveling when we're doing campaign season to travel through the state and i'll call robert hey i'm in your district spending money you know helping <laughs> helping spur your economic <laughs> development down here and, and he'll call me and then we have a lot of um we have a number of mutual friends outside of the general assembly mm-hmm. and so um so it, it's been um robert and i can have a discussion we can be on two different sides of the issue and and then once once we get to the place we need to get or if we can't get to the place okay we just agree to disagree and we move on if you get a chance to see in the january there in the gallery there's, there's a number of times during the middle of the session i'll get up and go talk to robert and just say hey this is what the speaker's thinking this is going to be the schedule for the week what are you thinking um we've got these three bills because because we don't want to yeah, I, I, I don't want. I don't want to put Robert in a situation where we're we're pulling up four or five bills on the calendar. His caucus doesn't do anything about it because then that just causes a little turmoil. You know, if they're going to be in opposition, that's fine. But let's at least at least respect the process enough so they get a chance to talk about their caucus. So we have the discussions to make sure that we're on the same page. And you must have some mutual respect. You use the the frogs in the wheelbarrow. He's in the same position, right? You got you got to. There must be mutual respect about that. Oh, and, right? and, and the stories that we share that that just between me and him about caucus, and <laughs> they're pretty comical. But we won't talk about it up here. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Robert and I have a good time. So sometimes I'll pick on him. I'm like, hey, you know, you got any members you want to trade today? I got a couple I want to trade with you. <laughs> and, so, and so we have the member draft. And we just sit there and laugh and cut up because you, you know you know. It's politics, yeah. but the thing that that I I love about the General Assembly is you know you can have uh, you can be on different sides of an issue, but in the day you can still be friends. Yeah, and I, I wish there was more of that. I do too. I do too. Speaking of the Minority Leader, this year we've seen quite a few press conferences where you, the Speaker, the Minority Leader are all in the same press conference agreeing on things. This year we've seen a lot of Democratic-led bills go through the House. Can you kind of talk about working in a bipartisan fashion this year? Well, so, you know, when we when we stepped out uh, coming out of the election, you looked and we, were, we picked up four more seats in the House, but we had a Democrat governor. Mm-hmm. And so you had Republican majorities in both chambers. Uh, you had, um, you know, and, and a Democrat governor. And, and, and we've all talked and said, look, you know, this, even though we have the majority here in the state of North Carolina, uh, there's a lot of people expect us to get the job done regardless of what party's in power. And so we, we have to respect that and respect the will of the people. And uh, even though we, we, we felt that, that we did a really good job campaigning, putting good candidates forward, and, 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 and our, our narrative was, was, was approved by the voters, they also looked at Governor Cooper and said, hey, you know, we want him to be our, our governor as well. And so they expect us to work together. Hmm. And when you're coming out of situations that we've had to deal with the last couple of years, I mean, I mean, think about this. We've had two 500-year floods in three years. Hmm. Um, at the same time, we had eastern North Carolina underwater, western North Carolina was on fire. Yeah. Hey, let's throw a pandemic on top of all that. <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, we, we've had our challenges and, you know, people understand politics. They say, well, they're just playing. But in the day, the people of this state expect us to do the job. And so when we find consensus bills and able to work together and navigate through that, it, it truly is the way government's supposed to work, mm-hmm. not the way it always works. But um, at the state level, we're in the business of getting things done. I wish I could say the same thing about Washington. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so you know, our state, for the most part, does a really good job of trying to come together in the day to, to get a job done. And sometimes, 
sometimes it's, it's, it's with everybody on board and sometimes it's, it's a little partisan, but we try to do what we think is best for the state of North Carolina. And, and you've got to have those discussions. But yes, it, it's, it's been great working with Robert this year. It's been great working with, um, with, with the governor. It's been great working with uh, Senator, uh, Senator Blue on, on different issues. And uh, not every issue is going to be that way, but, but the ones that we can champion, such as the, the pandemic relief, uh, we get our kids back in school. <laughs> Hopefully the budget. Um, I said, what was the other one on trash? We're working together on, on cleaning up our highways. And our state's a beautiful state. There's no reason for the trash on the side of it. Let's fix that. And so, so you have to have cooperation. What would you fix if you had a magic wand and you could wave it and, and just fix what's broke in our political system today? What would it be, Representative Bell? Communication. There is a lack of communication and understanding because the environments have gotten so polarized, people don't talk anymore. Yeah. And so when, when you don't talk or you refuse to talk or you build that wall and, and keep people out, um, it's very hard to understand where you're coming from. For example, one of the best jobs I've had in the General Assembly was being the majority whip. I got a chance to, to get to know every single member of our caucus. And, and understand what they're going through, what's in their family life, understanding why they may vote this way or vote that way. And, and I, I believe that if both sides of the aisle would actually learn that about each other, mm-hmm. you actually have better understanding where they're coming from and you wouldn't see that many contentious debates. I mean, there's still passion and drive, but you know, if I knew a, a, a prime example, there's um, there's been bills that we've worked on together that deals with um with with you know cancer issues with our firefighters. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's some people that support that. Some people look at it from a policy perspective and say, well, this opens the door for this, this, and this. Some people look at it from a financial perspective, mm-hmm. but then some people look at it at pure emotional. You know, and what you'll find out is that someone had a friend or a family member, um, and, and so it's important to know that we had a situation. A couple of years ago, we had a member that was um, running a bill that dealt with um, the the cancer treatment for oral chemo, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he met some stiff opposition. And they came to me and said, "You know, why, why, why the big push?" And I was like, "Man, he's lost his mom and dad from cancer, and this is a big deal for him. And he just had a cancer scare." Mm-hmm. And the lobbyists were like, we didn't know that. I'm like, because you didn't take the time mm-hmm. to understand where that person was coming from. Mm-hmm. And, in, and if people would take time to do that, I think that, I think politics overall would actually be a, a, a lot better. Well, Majority Leader John Bell, it's an honor to have you at this table, to have you on the podcast. Thank you for everything you do for your district, everything you do for the House, everything you do for the state. You certainly know how to do politics better, and we appreciate you being on the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing this, and thank you for taking time to sit down and talk. And, uh, you know, I always tell people it's truly an honor to serve. Sky, I've, I've known a lot of House majority leaders and Senate majority <laughs> leaders over the last 20-some years. I have to say, Representative John Bell is really one of the most down-to-earth, authentic, easy-to-talk-to majority leaders I have ever had the pleasure of, of, of speaking with. Yeah. He's a real shoot the shit kind of guy. So that's not a thing I should say, is it? It's okay. I think we can keep it in. Um, you know, this is a, he's very conversational. Even after the microphones turned off, we, we sat and talked to him and his communications director, Jimmy Milstead. And 
one of the things we didn't cover in the interview is just how much he has accomplished as a legislator, not to mention leading the House Republican Caucus, but this guy really gets it done and has made an impact across the state with his legislative accomplishments. So in 2019, he passed a bill that allowed for beer and wine sales at um, college campuses. So football games was really what it was focused on. And the university system supported that. They had all this data about other conferences, what they do, and allowing us to do that here in North Carolina. And it got a lot of fanfare on Twitter. Um, If you are a Barstool listener, it was all over the Barstool accounts um, for each different university. And so that was kind of fun to see. And I think that's where the NC State beer Old Tuffy came from. What do you believe will be in store for us when we return next week? When Representative Lambeth said he wanted to update the appropriations chairs, that could be about the budget process itself. It could be about spending more of that federal COVID money, which everyone knows we have a ton of. So we might see a COVID package rollout next week. Maybe not. The speaker also did announce that Dillard, they're going to start hearing some of the Senate bills. He said, we've disposed of the House bills. We are moving through Senate bills now. Committees could meet on Tuesday if they want or on Wednesday and take up some of those Senate bills. But it is just notable that a couple weeks ago we were hearing, you know, 60, 70 bills in the House a day, and now it's one to three bills. So that kind of tells you the change of pace that's happening right now. We had about two days of spring, and now the heat is here, Sky. I think I'd seen on the North Carolina Weather Service that today is a high, or setting a high record in North Carolina, but also all over the East Coast. But it is definitely hot out. And it's easy to contrast that with the General Assembly where it is like 50 degrees in there. It is so cold. And then you go outside and it feels great for like, 25 seconds Mm -hmm. and then you kind of go back and forth but you pulled out your seersucker today looking like a fool but (laughs) (laughs) wearing it proudly i am wearing it proudly you know some folks are uh, they don't wear their seersucker until after easter some don't wear it until after Memorial Day. I wear it when it's hot. And I have to say this in defense. I got a text message from Dylan Real, who works for Representative Destin Hall. He's a dapper dresser. He sends me a text message saying that, you know, I look pretty good today in my seersucker suit. Congratulations. <laughs> well, did he also notice that you don't wear an undershirt and <laughs> you can see your skin color through your white shirt? It's too, it's too hot for an undershirt. <laughs> that is our podcast for this week. We hope you take the time to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Help listeners find us. We hope that you have a relaxing Memorial Day weekend and a great week ahead. And remember to do politics better. We are heading into Memorial Day weekend. We still have... Thanks for the invite to your beach house. (laughs) It's fine. I'm fine. (laughs) I love sitting at home by myself. Thank you so much. 